Turning your scriptures to Jonah 4. Yes, I did say Jonah 4. We are concluding our time with Jonah today. And um, as we do so, we have a great message of truth. We have a great encouragement to see and to look at and to realize and to wrestle with at the end of the matter. So as we arrive there today, I, I have a particular line of thinking I want you to wrestle with. Have you ever missed an appointment? And, and, and what great tragedy or what, what great... Uh, Difficulty may have been averted because you missed an appointment. It's, not, it's always not a negative thing when we miss appointments, but most of the time it is. Um, yesterday, uh, I just want to say thank you. We had many guys show up to our, our uh, men's uh, breakfast. It was tremendous. We had some great sharing from uh, the Arabic church. Uh, Brother Andrew, who spoke Friday night, was gracious and shared with us yesterday morning. Um, had a great crew of guys making breakfast, and uh, I think they cleaned up pretty well. Uh, the guys, not the breakfast. Um, but immediately following, we went out and we had a major activity outside. I like to use the word activity. It was fun. It was a lot of fun. Most of you will see it as work, but we thought it was fun. At least I thought it was fun. Uh, for a while. And so uh, we started the process and got the majority of it done as far as getting those two major trees taken down uh, out on the deck. Uh, my concern was that we do that before they go into blossom because I'm highly allergic to those trees. And so I was really excited when we started in yesterday and, and uh, they're just, they were just buds. But funny thing, when you're using a chainsaw and all that wood's chipping right up into your nose, and you think you're doing fine, but then you get to the end of the day and the, the whole deck looks like a brewery because it looks like you're mushing hops all over the place. And there's just buds and, and, and the deck turns green from all of this stuff. And then you're trying to power wash all of this off. I think I ended up into anaphylactic shock yesterday afternoon when I got home. I, I, I just felt like I couldn't move. I sat down in my chair and I could barely even speak to my wife. And I missed a major appointment, something I was really excited about uh, being part of. And then uh, I had an appointment in the, later in the afternoon. And I almost, I just laid there in like a mummified state for three hours and was thinking, you know, I could think. I just couldn't get my body to move. And I was thinking, I've got this appointment coming at 4.30. And I couldn't even get myself to to check the time and I'm calling out to Alexa what time is it Alexa and she won't even answer me because I think I was like I think I said George accidentally and so uh, my wife came to my rescue and uh, and helped me uh, text my appointment appointment number two missed and I was just so frustrated but sometimes there are those things that happen in our life that cause us to not meet our expectations Right? To not meet our expectations. So what did I do? I went back to the things that happened earlier in the day. And I just thought, okay, the Lord had His hands in these things. I can see these great divine appointments. 
where we had a great breakfast and we had guys show up and then we had this incredible time out on, and, and nobody got seriously hurt uh, during our, our activity. And, uh, and it was just a tremendous time. And so I chose to focus on that. About 6.30, 7 o'clock, I started to get uh, uh, command over my faculties again and uh, was able to come in about 9 o'clock. I'm not sure if that was 8 o'clock or 9 o'clock. You know how it goes uh, over these 24 hours. Um, and, and start working about 9 o'clock, and I think I got home somewhere between 12 and 1 o'clock. And, uh, and here we are. And so there's part of what happened yesterday that, that I'm rejoicing over, but there's another part that I was really frustrated over in missing appointments. Have you been there? And so this is what we're looking at. And you're thinking, well, how's that going to spiritually encourage me today? What? I, I don't need a lesson on day planning. Well, I think much of our attitude, I think much of our focus, much of our perspective throughout the week can be dictated plus or minus according to appointments and expectations and goals that we have. And when we put our goals in front of God's appointments, and when we fail to see God's appointments the way that they are, because we're so immersed into our own determinism that our joy is just stripped away from us continually. And we're frustrated and we say, where is God? I don't feel God in my life. This is how we get there, even to the point where we may be saying, God, this is so disappointing. This is so much not what was on my calendar, my agenda list, that I'm done. As a matter of fact, I'm so much done. Just kill me now. I'm done with all of this. Just get it over with and kill me now. Maybe saying, Pastor, that's a bit over the top. Really? <clears throat> I mean, really? <laughs> Sorry, you're going to get a lot of that today. <laughs> Chapter 4, verse 1. But it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he was what? Angry. What displeased Jonah so much? Let's find out. And he prayed to the Lord. Now, he's not beyond praying yet. Alright? And how often are we in the standpoint of saying, hey, I'm still, I still believe in God. I'm still praying. I'm doing all those things. But, man, am I bent sideways on this one. And he prayed to the Lord and he said, Oh Lord, is this not what I said when I was yet in my country? You ever have a I told you so moment with God? That's what Jonah's having. So where is he? What is he doing? What we hear from Jonah's attitude is he's angry at God. And he plays an I told you so. Can I encourage you in your work, in your relationships, in your friendships, don't make a pattern of doing an I told you so. They don't work out real well. Okay? So point... It's not even, that's extra. That's bonus today. That's not in your notes. And you can find your notes. Uh, fill in the blank notes you can find. We'll start putting that stuff up here in just a minute. Uh, they're in the bulletin. 
Oh Lord, is this not what I said when I was yet in my country? That is why I made... Now here's the rationalization. Right? Here comes the rationalization. Hey, you know, you threw me overboard. You put me in the fish. We had that conversation. But you know what? Now, looks like I was right. This is what I told you was going to happen. If you remember what I said, that is why I made haste to flee to Tarshish. For I knew, and here it comes, Now, what you're about to hear, you're going to scratch your head at and say, this is God's man. This is God's man. Could anything like this ever proceed from our lips? If it came out of Jonah's mouth, it can come out of ours. The question is, how did he get there? And that's what we're going to examine this morning and therefore examine our own lives and our own hearts. Listen to what he says. And the irony of it, for I knew that you are a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and relenting from disaster. He makes those things sound like a pejorative. Man, I knew that you would become a jerk and do all that good godly stuff. Have you ever said stuff that you regret? You know, there's a funny element about the Bible that I think about like with Peter, right? With the whole, no, I won't. No, I won't. No, I won't. Yes, I did. Yes, I did. Yes, I And it's recorded for all the church for all time to see, right? It's like the History Channel coming up over the next month. You're going to see 14 different movies or, or videos about Jesus, right? And, and, and it's out there and it just keeps getting hit on over and over I certainly hope that my most embarrassing moments aren't out there for all of Christendom to see, examine, and teach on over and over and over. But this is what Jonah gave us. Now God decided to record it for value for us. The big question to you and I this morning in the midst of this Scripture is why? Why does God want us to know that Jonah said these things? Especially if he is those very things Jonah claims. Gracious, slow to anger. Because here's your insert foot moment. It's amazing what we do when we're angry. There's your first clue about what to learn today. Therefore now, verse 3, Therefore now, O Lord, please take my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. Wow. We just went way over the cliff. Does this sound like a rational prophet of God? If you were God, and don't go too far down that road, (laughs) if you were God, would this be the person you invest in to take your message? And yet He did. It is amazing what we will say when we're angry. And the Lord said, do you do well to be angry? Doesn't address all the things he says specifically. Doesn't address his desire to to die. Doesn't address his I told you so comments. Doesn't address any of that. He just says, does it really help you, Jonah, to be angry? That's something for you and I to wrestle with this morning. What is it that makes us angry? 
And, and we're going to look at that. We're going to break that down momentarily. But let me get through the rest of this. Jonah went out of the city and sat to the east of the city and made a booth for himself there. He sat under it in the shade till he should see what would become of the city. I'm just going to sit out here and I'm going to watch what's going to happen, God. Have you been in that position with the Lord? You've been wrestling with things with the Lord. You've been asking things of the Lord. You feel like the Lord has promised you things and it's just not going according to your expectations. So you kind of cross your arms. You pull a little crisscross applesauce and plop it down outside somewhere and say, okay, God, let's see what you're going to do. This is the picture we have of God's man. So he, he made this booth and he's sitting under it in the shade till he could see what would become of the city. Now the Lord God appointed a plant. Here's your first appointment in chapter 4. And made it come up over Jonah that it might be a shade over his head to save him from his discomfort. Now what's interesting is Jonah already built something for shade, didn't he? There's a little underlying thing for us to examine here. Jonah built something for shade, but God said this isn't sufficient. God said your workmanship isn't good enough. God said I know eventually it's going to blow up. We don't know what God said. What we do know is that God said I'm going to demonstrate my power, my compassion to you. You see, it's a teaching moment. And so he makes a plant grow up where there may not even be a plant needed. But if a plant wasn't needed, if you're sitting there and God provides something for you, when you have manufactured it for yourself, maybe you missed that appointment. But fascinatingly enough, as Jonah is as angry as he is, he doesn't miss this appointment. What's the response to this? So Jonah was exceedingly glad because of the plant. Oh, maybe he didn't build that great of a, of a shelter. But maybe those very words of his about his Lord and Savior, his God, are coming back to him and he's seeing God's graciousness at work. Isn't it beautiful how God teaches us? But when the dawn came up the next day, God appointed a worm that attacked the plant so that it withered. When the sun rose, God appointed a scorching east wind and the sun beat down on the head of Jonah so that he was faint. And he asked that he might die and said, it is better for me to die than to live. Now, in the span of, I don't know, it looks like a day. We spend a lot of time talking about what is a day in our, our first hour ABF class. Maybe in the span of a day, he goes, he's like a junior high girl, right? Sorry, I don't mean to offend any junior high girls, but I, I had two of them. I had two of them. So I'm just speaking from my experience. Or like, I am so angry, I'm just bent sideways. And then it's like, I'm so glad, I'm so glad. And it's like, I'm so, just kill me now. Okay? I've been there, I've lived it. Uh, let me just pick on pastors. Maybe he's just like a pastor. Right? Maybe he's just like a pastor. But God said to Jonah, do you do well to be angry for the plant? Here we are again. By the way, what is the one thing that is not happening here? God has not turned His back on Jonah. He is not silent. God has accomplished what He set out to accomplish. The whole point of, of what we see in the book of Jonah was about God's redemptive plan for the Ninevites. 
But he hasn't vacated the situation. He hasn't vacated his, his work with Jonah. He had a very specific work going with Jonah. God's multifaceted in his will and the exacting of his will. God said to Jonah, do you do well to be angry for the plant? And he said, yes. <laughs> yes, I do well to be angry. Angry enough to die. Wow. And the Lord said, You pity the plant for which you did not labor, nor did you make it grow, which came into being in a night and perished in a night. And should not I pity Nineveh, that great city, in which there are more than 120,000 persons who do not know their right hand from their left, and also much cattle? The great PETA verse of Scriptures. Right? But what a beautiful statement about how God sees us. As evil as the Ninevites were, or the Assyrians, he said they don't even know their left hand from their right hand. And I've talked about this comparative analysis about Jesus on the cross before, but I'll do it again. I'll take this moment to help us understand God and who God is. As Christ is hanging on the cross, he says, Father, forgive them. And what is the, the next statement? They know not what they do. It is a real healthy position for us to understand that about ourselves and understand that God is who God is. Amen? And He understands so much more, so much more depth, so much more compassion, so much more wisdom, so much... How many of us would have hung out with Jonah and tried to help him through this? I think I would have been gone at the second just kill me now. That's great for a pastor to say, right? I'm just talking about the, the, the attitude issues, right? I would have said, hey, you're supposed to be God's man. You're supposed to have it all together. You're the person God appointed. I'm kind of disappointed in you. We need to appoint a new guy. Was that a little loud? I saw some people going like this. Let's, let's break this down. Anger flows where trust is broken. Does that make sense? Anger flows where trust is broken. Maybe you're angry at someone right now. Maybe you're not. Maybe you're at peace. But maybe there's been a time in your life where you have been extremely angry or frustrated. I'm going to wager that it probably had a lot to do with broken trust. Anger flows where trust is broken. When we trust in ourselves, we open the door to anger. We're going to look at another example of this shortly, but this is where I want us to wrestle at the forefront. Let's talk about this whole anger issue that he's got. Anger stems from broken justice. All right, we've talked about trust issue, but I also think that we see this rife through our society today within our, our, our news, within our society, within our schools, within our social media, right? that anger stems from broken justice. Did you all catch the news last night and see what's happening in Venezuela? So it, it, it's, it's tragic. And some of that anger stems from broken trust. Some of it stems from an issue from broken justice as well. Let's look at what Jonah's issue was. Jonah's going to lose because the Ninevites gained. What do we mean by that? 
Jonah's going to lose. Well, this is one of those tragedies. How many of you like those stories or say those movies that just, they don't end well, right? My son was home for the weekend and uh, he talked about, hey dad, I'm going to come and, and we'll go to the Avengers movie on your birthday, okay? So we're going we're gonna to go buy tickets ahead of time and, and if you, you know anything about all that, the, the last movie did not end well. I mean, I like to go and listen to the audience reaction things on YouTube because you hear people screaming and crying and bellowing. It is ridiculous. Folks, it's not real. There's no such thing as a big green... Well, okay, that guy's real, but... But so we're really anticipating coming back to the, to the, the, the next movie because that movie was so dramatic because it did not end well. Do you realize that's where we just left Noah? Noah. Jonah, there's a lot of water, there's fish involved, okay, there's a boat. (laughs) This is not a happy story for Jonah. And we just leave him there. That's it. That's it. Jonah's going to lose because the Ninevites gained. How often does this happen in our churches? Where our expectation isn't realized? Our agenda is thrown away. All the things we work towards have changed for somebody else. And so we become embittered. And story after story after story is that, that my expectations weren't, weren't met anymore. And so I just I moved on from those relationships. How does this translate for us? Sometimes we're going to lose because others gain under God's economy. Can I just encourage you? That's okay. That's okay. Some of of what God is leading us into here at at, at Conquer Bible is this idea of being multi-ethnic. In order to do that, we're reading a book on this right now by a pastor who's done it very, very well down in Fremont. And he has a whole chapter about the fact that you need to be prepared to lose if you're going to succeed at this. You cannot operate the way that you used to operate where you called your own shots because you're going to have to share. You're going to have to sacrifice certain programs. They're going to take on a completely different feel and different meaning. And you're going to have to embrace that and that's going to be different than what you've done before. Jonah's going to lose because of Ninevites gain. That's why he's angry. Jonah wants to hold on to his preference rather than spare the lives of 120,000 and cattle. That's Christ's or, or God's final comment on the subject. Do you do well to be angry, Jonah? What right do you have to be angry about a plant? And Jonah, don't you get the idea that you're not in control of this? I am. And it's for the best. And you get upset about a plant, and these are 120,000 people and cattle. Great teaching moments here. And it's amazing how our anger stems from expectations that were set incorrectly. One of the number one things in, in my premarital counseling or even my crisis marital counseling has to do with expectations. Think about all the conflict or think about at your jobs. You know, you get into a job and four months down the line you're like, yeah, I'm looking for another job. This isn't meeting my what? Expectations. 
You know, it's different with God. There should be one expectation, one alignment, and it's His will. Why? Because He is good. He is just. And we show ourselves so often to be like Jonah, where we get angry because of our own what? Our personal preferences. Our challenge is that we struggle with sin. God doesn't struggle with sin. Therefore, He is to be trusted. So part of the challenge of not getting to this point of being so angry that we say, God, just finish me off now, and being totally irrational, goes back to how we're going to set our expectations. Jonah's anger stems from a choice to cling to his preference rather than to embrace God's will. And you may say, well, hang on, that sounds a lot like uh, the, the second point there, Pastor. You're right, I'm just trying to emphasize it. it. It is a little bit different in the sense that we're talking about God's will. So the first one had to do with just the rationality that God's trying to point out. Jonah, you're angry about a plant that you didn't bring up. You have no control over but you could care less about 120,000 people. Don't you find that a bit ironic? God's man. So that's that point. The second point is is that his expectations were not aligned with God's expectations. And this is why the anger begins to happen, and that's why the anger stems, because he feels like justice is not happening. Truly, what did, according to his preference, What did Jonah want to see happen to the Ninevites? Destruction. And who can blame him because God had shown that in the past with the Ammonites, the Hittites, the Canaanites, every ite you can possibly imagine. Is that it was Israel versus all of these others. Here's a fascinating conundrum about what we see happen in the book of Jonah. Who's to say that God did not reach out to these other nations we just don't have an account of it you'll see in a, in a later point that what we bring out is that god reached out to a the enemy of israel and offered them grace and compassion did they ask for it they never asked for it but they certainly and we saw this last week they certainly demonstrated a repentance to full measure without reservation, when it was never promised. Maybe that's the difference between the Ninevites and the Ammonites, Canaanites, Hittites. Maybe, and this is just speculation, maybe God gave those other nations a chance and they refused the chance. That could be an answer to some of the problems that we see. And I would would tell you, when you face that criticism of the Old Testament and of God, That God was not a merciful God. God was not a compassionate God. God is a God of justice. His justice. Amen? Yeah, amen. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, justice. Woo. Go God. Yeah. Come on, folks. I know it's really 10 o'clock in the morning, but you should be awake by 10. All right? God's justice, if we don't have that, we have nothing. We have nothing. It will be chaos. All we like sheep have gone astray. Each of us, what? Turned to his own way. But God in His justice laid that iniquity upon Christ. 
if we do not have God's justice, but that's why there's always this tension. So we want to be in, Jonah wants to be in control. My expectations are for my life. And when God, you interrupt those expectations, like saving the Ninevites, are you kidding me? This is really what's going on here. We all have preferences. Raising Cain. Turn with me, if you will, to Genesis 4. I told you we would go explore real quickly a little bit of this issue with anger. And uh, we need to go to the first family, or we need only to go to the first family, to see the first demonstration of what anger gets you. Now Adam knew Eve, his wife, I'm in Genesis 4, verse 1, and she conceived and bore Cain, saying, I have gotten a man with the help of the Lord. And again, she bore his brother Abel. Now Abel was a keeper of sheep, and Cain a worker of the ground. In the course of time, Cain brought the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground. And Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat portions. What's the difference? God's expectation is that you should, you should bring to me that which is a worthy sacrifice. Now, I can see a lot of us justifying Cain's anger because we, we went to church. We went to church today. We're better than those other people that didn't go to church today. See, I'm preaching the choir. That's one of the big rules of preaching. Don't slam the people that are sitting in front of you. Right? We went to church. Now, we slept through church, but we went to church. Cain didn't bring the best. And now you got a conflict. Now you got a conflict. All these things that we've made as far as the first three points and what's going on with Jonah, it's timeless. It's the timeless problem between God and man. Here we go. So it says this, And the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering, but for Cain and his offering he had no regard. Ooh, God's playing favorites. Not a very just God, is He? Not a very just God. This is one of the best stories for you to grab hold of and understand who God is versus who we are and get your head and heart wrapped around this so that you don't end up angry at God. Very next statement. So Cain was very angry and his face fell. The Lord said to Cain, why are you angry and why is your face fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? Oh, that principle. If we could grab that principle, we would avoid so much anger towards bad expectations. Yeah, I'll pay my son the five bucks. I'm, I'm having that conversation, Gentry. Should I, shouldn't I, shouldn't I? Okay, Dylan, it's on, it's on video. I owe you five bucks. I hosted you and your friends all weekend, so you owe me 10. <laughs> My son, if you've seen his car, if I was 20 years old, I'd want that car too. Right? Lowered Honda Civic. Uh, special rims, blacked out headlights, big booming stereo. He actually even has LEDs inside the floorboard so that the floor lights up in, on the inside, right? And we go to see this car, and, he's, and he, I can tell he's just salivating. He's like, oh yeah, 
And then on the back of the car is like the piece de resistance. This gigantic thing that should be on the back of a 747. <laughs> this huge airfoil wing. Can I just tell you the reason mom and I signed off on this car is it goes maybe 60 miles an hour with a tailwind. <laughs> it's got a 1.8 liter engine. And, and it's got like, it's got like a, a modified induction system. <laughs> A, a fiberglass hood and all this stuff, right? So I'm looking at it and, and I drive it and it seems pretty reasonable. Um, and it was really clean when, when we bought it. And I said, Dylan, you know this guy raced this car. Why he's racing it is beyond me. I don't know who he's racing. Three-year-olds on tricycles, I have no idea. But you know with this car he was racing. Yeah, Dad, I, yeah, I know, I know. I said, you know if someone raced a car, what could happen? Currently, when my son goes into second gear, it sounds a lot like a blender. <laughs> and so it was inevitable. And so when he's faced with this choice of, I, I really want, the father was saying, probably not a good purchase, son. But for the money, my son paid for his car. And, and the beautiful part is now he's paying for his car. Right? And these are all lessons we have to learn. And so when it comes to this idea of, of Cain, he had to learn. Jonah had to learn that God has something for us, which is for our what? Our benefit or our demise? It's for our benefit because God is a just God. Cain has an issue and it gets so bad, God recognizes that it has gone to anger. It is unhealthy. And listen to this. So Cain was very angry and his face fell. The Lord said to Cain, why are you angry and why has your face fallen? If you do well, will it not be accepted? And if you do not do well, here's the warning. Sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is for you, but you must rule over it. God had so much compassion upon Cain that he even describes, look, Cain, if you continue down this road, sin wants to destroy you. You've got to let it go, Cain. And he didn't. And we know the rest of the story. What is the picture of God in both Jonah and this story with Cain and Abel? It is a God that has justice. It is a God who has his will. And it is a God who is compassionate and seeks to help us in our struggles. Why are we angry? Because we set up a bad expectation of what real justice is. We make our own justice based off of our own preferences. And when those things fall apart, we get angry. We get angry. Acceptance. Is that the root of anger or peace? Isn't that interesting? How often have we been angry because we felt like we weren't accepted by somebody? Or something. How much of the time... Is our peace dictated because of acceptance? Maybe Jonah's struggling and getting this problem and challenge of anger because he's not at peace with God. He's not at peace with himself. Appointments with God. This is really our, our, our point today in the title, Excuse Me, Did You Have an Appointment? Often we miss our appointments with God. What is an appointment with God? It's God's will in action. Right? 
God's will was that Jonah would take this message, this warning, to the Ninevites. And so when he went the other way, when he ran the other way, God appointed what? God appointed a storm. That's his will in action. God appointed that the, the, cast, or, or the casting of the dice or the lots would favor so that Jonah was the one pointed out. God appointed the fish or the sea creature to save Jonah from perilous depths. God appointed a repentance moment. God appointed that he would have these moments to engage with the Ninevites and the king. God appointed a plant. God appointed a worm. God appointed a wind. Are you seeing the consistency throughout this book? Because as we wrap up today, that's what I want you to gather. God's will is at work all around you. The idea is do we see God in action? Do we keep these appointments? Do we keep these appointments? God sent a message for the Ninevites when they asked for none. I already hit on this a little bit, but isn't that fascinating about the character of God? How often has God intervened in our lives when we weren't even paying attention? How often has God set into motion things that are for our, our best or our benefit or our spiritual benefit that we never were the cause of. We didn't even see it coming. We didn't, we didn't know how to navigate it. But God was at work. God made appointments. The key is not to miss them. God used multiple appointments in Jonah's life to accomplish His will. What about for you and I? How many multiple appointments has God made in your life we're going to hear about some in just a moment during our ministry moment that are an incredible praise to God appointments. Some of you in this room have seen God work in incredible ways that you never got the memo on. Right? That all of a sudden it just befalls you. And as it's in your lap and you realize, I could never have made this happen, you suddenly recognize God's will at work. You see God's appointed hand at work. Do not brush over those appointments. Don't rush the appointment. Sit down. Converse. Take your time. Get your money's worth out of the appointments. I'm not a good patient. I go in for my appointments at Kaiser and I'm like, let's just skip the blood pressure thing. Let's skip the weight thing. Just give me my medication and I'll get out of your hair. No, I'm going to do a full mock-up on you. I said, no, <laughs> we, we don't need to do that. Come on, it's a waste of your time. Let's just, let's just get to it. I know exactly what's wrong with me. And I miss what really could have happened in that appointment. I'm still not over that, so... God shows Jonah how much he's at work to accomplish his purpose. Isn't that interesting when Jonah says, I knew you're a gracious, a compassionate, a loving... And he just goes on and on and on. Doesn't that make you angry? When the person you're at odds with, it's not just one thing sometimes, it's like multiple things. And it's like, it just rains. Grace rains down on that person or that situation. And, and you're stuck at odds with it. And now it's like, you're going to have to, 
you're going to have to face the choir. I don't even know what that means, but I'm, I'm in a lack of, of terminology to, to help you understand. Well, you're going to have to face the music, I think is what I meant to say. Right? And sometimes we dig in harder because we don't want to be wrong. What does that lead to? More anger, more anger, more anger. God shows Jonah how much he's at work to accomplish his purpose. What is it we often struggle with? We feel dry spiritually, right? Sometimes we're just doing things to be routine. We've made the decision as the elders to continue to practice communion every Sunday. The, the one criticism we heard about this was, well, we're worried about it becoming routine. So don't let it. So don't let it. What, what's at the demise of most marriages? You let it become routine. What's the demise of, of your jobs? You let it become routine. You stop striving for excellence. According to that idea or concept, let's stop singing every Sunday because it's just routine. Let's stop preaching. Ouch. I can't believe you said that or thought that. It's so rude of you. The point is, is let's start preparing ourselves that we would engage with the Lord in an intimate thing that He has established. And let's make it work every week. Amen? We can see how God makes these appointments. In closing this morning, let me run through a couple more points. God's appointments are always at work around us. Sometimes we assume it's just a plant. This is what I want to challenge you with this morning. I want you to look at what's going on in your life and I want you to start to think and contemplate and pray and dwell on where is God in the midst of all of that? Did you miss it? Did you miss God's hand at work? Because if we're missing it, spiritually we're not thriving. Spiritually we're not engaged. But if we take the time to dwell and focus, God, I can see your hand here. I can see your, your appointment here. I can see your will working itself out over there. How tremendous. God appointments are opportunities for us to understand Him. You know, there's this funky word I learned in seminary. It's called praxis. Does anybody know what praxis is? Praxis is taking the ideas or the, the, the concepts, right? The theories and putting them to work. I know so many people that what they want to do with theology, doctrine, who God is, is just keep it in the realms of information. We don't want to go into the praxis of who God is and live in accordance to that and engage with God. It's enough for me just to know. Look, folks, that's, that's tantamount to having Egyptian food here today prepared with loving hands for you. Baklava that is so wet with sugar that you will die immediately from insulin overage. <laughs> Golesh that is so rich with cheese that one bite and you become as gelatinous as the cheese itself. Mediterranean salad that is so fresh it needs to be slapped. <laughs> I just came up with that. 
I don't know how I came up with that, but, but let me ask you this question. How many of you, how many of you are hungry for Egyptian food and you're really glad we have it in the back waiting for you now? We don't have any. Oh, what a disappointment. That's my point. Is that I can think all about Egyptian food, but man, I, I don't want to just think about it. I want to eat it. I want to eat it. There's the joy. God's, uh, God appointments help us recalibrate our control meter. That may be the biggest thing we learned today about Jonah. God appointments help us recalibrate our control meter. Do I need to do any exposition on that point? Probably not. If I did, I'd be controlling the narrative. So I'll let God have that one. God appointments, if accepted as just and good, which means trusting, those in fact help us find peace. God Himself said this to Cain, did He not? He said it to Jonah. Does it do you good to be angry? You have a lot to learn, Jonah. We have a lot to learn when it comes to our own preferences that shape our expectations that are outside of God's agenda and God's will. Same thing for Cain. Why are we angry so much of the time? We're not duly aligned with who God is and God's will. What if Pharaoh, Jericho, and Saul understood their appointments with God like Nineveh did? Do you think like that? Because if you do, you probably need some examinations and things. But isn't that a compelling thought? What if Pharaoh, right at the very first warning, had acted like Nineveh? What would have been averted? But he didn't. What if Jericho, when warned, had actually repented like Nineveh did? What would have been averted? But they didn't. And many of you know about Saul from the Old Testament, the first king of Israel, who had been warned time and time and time again. What would have happened if he had listened and aligned himself with the appointments that God had made and paid attention? But he didn't. What would their legacy look like and my question to you this morning in closing is, do you understand God's appointments in your life? Do you understand them? Because God uses a variety of different things. What Jonah was asked to do was not easy by any means. What God may be asking you to do may not be easy. But if it is what God asked you to do, you will be at peace. Will that not be better for you? I borrow from God's Word. This morning as we close... The book of Jonah, the end. This is the end for Jonah, but not for you. Your appointment is now. Your appointment is now. Let me uh, pray over the message today, and then we have an exciting engagement for a ministry moment that fits very much so with our message today. I'm very excited to share these things with you. Let's pray. Father, use the Word this morning to challenge our hearts, but to encourage our hearts. If we struggle with anger or broken expectations or broken trust, let us realign with You who is just. Not saying that the things that You're going to lead us in will be easy, but they will lead us to peace in the midst of a storm. Let us learn 
that Jonah is a book that shows us who man is, but even more importantly, Jonah shows us who you are. A compassionate and gracious God, even to the worst of your enemies. You are just. And so let us take that confidence today and let that shape our thinking and our expectations. Thank you, Father. We trust in you. But help us to know what that means later today, tomorrow, when the challenges hit, when the decisions need to be made, when the choices come. We thank you for all of this, Father. We commit this and, and let your Spirit use it in our lives. According to the name of Jesus Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen.